Good evening, everyone. Friends, our first reading, uh, we hear uh, about uh, a disease that we know as Hansen, brought to have great faith in God. While God did not send the illness to the person, it was used, if you will, to bring um, that person close to God. Our second reading, uh, Paul warns that the servants of the Lord will suffer and be persecuted uh, for the gospel. Not for any other reason, and maybe... Uh, Something will happen, but he's talking particularly about for the proclamation of the gospel and the gospel truths and everything uh, that Jesus stands for. His servants will be persecuted in this world. Friends, our second, our gospel reading also brings up uh, that illness again of leprosy. And my friends, remember uh, to the ancient Jewish mind, uh, diseases and disabilities were the result of sin, uh, either one's own sin or perhaps maybe one's parents. Uh, you would go to John 9, 2, uh, where the apostles asked Jesus, um, the blind, the guy's blind, who sinned, him or his mother or father? And Jesus says, neither. That's, you, you misunderstand. Um, but in their minds, before Jesus comes, uh, uh, they were signs of divine punishment for transgressions against God's laws. Um, you would see this in the Old Testament with a... a a personage named Miriam. Miriam spoke out against Moses, and uh, before sunset of that night, um, she was struck with leprosy. In the Old Testament, uh, in this case, it was sent by God as punishment. Um, so, you know, I'm setting you up just so you understand how the Jewish people thought about disease and illness. Because only God could forgive sin, it meant that only God could cure the disease. And my friends, uh, certainly leprosy was unquestionably one of the most feared and dreaded diseases in ancient times. Um, it was disabling, disfiguring, and terminal since there was no known cure or remedy at the time. And even anyone suspected of having leprosy was ruthlessly uprooted from their homes. And they were torn from their families and friends, and they were compelled to live far uh, beyond the outskirts of the towns and villages uh, so that they would not... Uh, spread the disease to people in society. And it would be Numbers 5, 1 through 12, as you find the law there about that. Um, they were also required to keep their uh, faces and heads covered and shout out a warning from afar. Uh, usually it was unclean. And this was to uh, prevent anyone who inadvertently approached them by mistake. Leviticus 13.45 is the, the law for that. And the social stigma and forced isolation uh, were as painful, perhaps, arguably, as the physical disease itself. And um, their illness uh, led to religious and social excommunication. And theirs was truly a living death in the arena of human existence. And um, so here we have today's gospel. It starts with ten lepers calling out to Jesus from a distance, as required by law, uh, the ten lepers approach Jesus, but in a prayerful attitude, and uh, they address him as master, and it's a title of respect and reverence, and uh, uh, they ask for mercy, and uh, which in the culture linking illness to sin, uh, that was the equivalent of asking for forgiveness. Remember, um, the idea of the sin and illness were intimately connected, so... Um, in the Greek version of our reading, uh, the word eleison, 
is used, um, and uh, you should recognize that word. Um, the church re-echoed this plea of the lepers for generations by making it in part um, part of the introductory penitential rite in our Mass. In the Latin Mass, it would be Kyrie Gleison, the Lord have mercy. And uh, today, as you notice this this evening, the penitential rite in English uh, still contains that and asks for forgiveness, if you will, in pretty much the same way that we are told about the ten lepers. We say, Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. My friends, we know from uh, Jesus, uh, before he worked a sign, as John would call it, or a miracle, as the other evangelists would call it, he required at least the very rudiments of faith, at least some faith, respect and hopeful request. They refer to him as master. They recognize him as rabbi uh, and a holy man. They demonstrate, however, even greater faith by rushing off to show themselves to the priests as Jesus directed, as was required by Mosaic law, Leviticus 14, 1 through 9. Uh, see, Jesus uh, is obeying the laws. He says, go and you know what's necessary. You must go and show the priests. Um, and they were not cured at that time. The scriptures tell us that they are cured on the way. So you see there's the very foundation of faith is already in them. And that's going to change a little bit in the story. But um, at that point, uh, nine Jews who were cleansed or relieved of leprosy continue on to Jerusalem to complete the process of being fully restored to their families. Remember, they were excommunicated. They couldn't go near anyone but other lepers. So they're excited about great many things, I suspect. One, they were cured, but they get to go back to society. And uh, hopefully they would go on to uh, give God thanks also in the temple. But we are told that the Samaritan alone stops and takes stock of what has happened. And um, he concludes that Jesus must have access to divine power, for only God has the power to cure the illness by the forgiveness of the sin. You see? And uh, so he decides to return to Jesus and not to the temple in Jerusalem, which he wouldn't have gone to anyway because as a Samaritan, he would have gone to Mount Jerusalem. Uh, that is where the Samaritans worshipped. Uh, uh, that's where he would have given God thanks. Uh, on the way, his faith deepens even greater because based on Luke's description of his conduct, uh, by the time he returns, he fully accepts Jesus as God. And uh, Luke reports, he glorified God in a loud voice. He fell to his face before Jesus, which is a sign of adoration. And this is different from the way a slave would fall before his master. This is a, the words in Greek are completely different. They have a different meaning. He fell in adoration, and only God was given that type of adoration. So the Samaritan recognizes Jesus as God. And um, he gives him thanks and praise. The last verb in the Greek is eucharistan. Uh, it is used throughout Luke's gospel. And it is only uh, used in connection to God and giving God praise and glory. So I'm letting you know this uh, because in the English we just miss it. But in the Greek you wouldn't. You would, you would understand it and you would know exactly what uh, the evangelist is doing. The cured Samaritan leper thus becomes the first to realize that henceforth we will find God in Jesus and not just in some man-made temple. 
Jesus himself is temple now. The account ends with um, the only recorded instance in the Gospels of Jesus ever complaining about anything besides the lack of faith that he finds on the earth. Here Jesus expresses dismay and even disappointment over the nine who failed to return and give thanks to God. Now, some theologians will argue, well, they were told to go. And, well, it's an argument for another time. <laughs> it doesn't work well with my homily anyway. <laughs> but, my friends, uh, I bring this up because it should cause us to pause and to reflect, to hear Jesus, if you will, my words, complain. Didn't I cure nine others, and where are they? Why didn't they come back and give thanks? And uh, it's hard to imagine how someone once cured of a disease as terrible as leprosy was known in that day would not be overcome with gratitude and feel compelled to thank the one responsible for the cure. Remember, they weren't cured in that moment. They were cured as they listened to Jesus. Now go and serve the priests. And um, yet how often do you and I... Uh, Thank God for forgiving our sins and for uh, our failings or for delivering us from the very power of evil and from wickedness, and, uh, which is arguably something much more worse than leprosy and far more destructive because that affects our very souls. How often do we take time to thank God for our reasonable portion of good health? I'm very careful about how I put that because people have aches and pains and head and <laughs> so a reasonable portion of good health. Um, there are so many things we simply take for granted and uh, let us strive then to be grateful uh, people for which uh, we have much to be grateful for. And yes, I know some people suffer greatly, but even in the midst of that, uh, we have reason to be grateful uh, for as individuals and my friends, to be quite frank, we, have, uh, we should be very grateful for being Americans and living in this country. And last but not least, but most of all, we should be grateful that we are Christians. And we have his promise placed upon us and his blood poured out that saves us. No matter what's going on, no matter how difficult it is, we can remain grateful in all things. My friends, and uh, often I think um, sometimes uh, um, we just tend to forget um, that we should be grateful. And, uh, and I understand we don't always uh, have control over what happens to us, but something negative or terrible happens, uh, we can in those moments, we control how we respond to it and our response. And um, um, my friends, um, all happy people are grateful, but uh, ungrateful people almost are never happy, <laughs> almost never. And uh, um, so what do we do? <laughs> we pray, uh, we pray uh, for a change of heart for them and for a relieving of their, uh, whatever troubles them. Uh, but in all things, my brothers and sisters, uh, let us have uh, gratitude to God uh, for all that he has done, all that he continues to do, and everything that he will do in the future. Um, when we have that sense of gratitude, no matter what comes our way, our faith is strengthened. And uh, we are uh, people who live in Christian hope uh, in all things. Do you not agree? Um, and I pray that this will fall on your heart and God fill you with grace and peace.